brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hi, this is Henry Gilroy, co-executive producer of Star Wars Rebels. You're listening to Aggressive Negotiations. Welcome to Aggressive Negotiations, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that takes you to all of the deep corners of the Star Wars galaxy. I'm one of your hosts, Jedi Master John Mills, and with me is my dear friend, Jedi Master Matthew Rushing. Matt, how are you today? Well, my feet are sticky. Sticky? Level 1313 on Coruscant is... There's something sticky down here. I don't like it. Well, fortunately, we didn't go to level 1314, which is in fact covered with peanut butter. But aside from that, you can uh, find us over on the nerdparty.com and you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact and drop a line to the Jedi Masters by looking for aggressive negotiations. You can go over on Twitter and you can find our official show account at the Jedi Masters. You can reach out through the Nerd Party's account at Join Nerd Party. And of course, it's the Nerd Party on Facebook and Instagram. So, Matt, we find ourselves this week. Focused, you mentioned level 1313, which is a beautiful dovetail into what we're going to be discussing, which is Bounty Hunters, the scum and villainy of the Star Wars galaxy, a topic, amazingly, we haven't delved into yet. And so I want to kick it off with the first question uh, to you, because ever since we discussed doing this topic, a question comes to mind of Bounty Hunters did they always do it for you or was it the prequel and clone wars era that opened up the story possibilities for you you know i i was always intrigued by bounty hunters um you know i think they they're they're definitely characters that you know uh, were always interesting um to me and just just the idea that they're around and you know i just remember Obviously, you know, you, you had uh, Empire Strikes Back, Episode 5, and there are these bounty hunters, and, and the, the thought of Vader using bounty hunters to go try and collect, you know, Han Solo and Princess Leia was, was fascinating to me. Um, and it, it's just one of those things that George was so good at doing where it was just like, oh, you know, just just there they are. You know, it, it, there's no, like, big explanation. It's just one of those things that kind of gets dropped into your lap and I think uh, I always I always had a fascination with them now I was never a Boba Fett fanatic like some people were um, and I think that for the most part you rightly called it that it's really the prequel era slash Clone Wars era that brought bounty hunters to life for me in a way that I, I I just didn't think possible, really. You know, I, I always enjoyed them, but something about 
the portrayal, especially in the Clone Wars, and then you know even what we got in Attack of the Clones, you know, uh, was was fantastic as well. So it's it's it is strange because there's they're so part of the Star Wars zeitgeist now, but I I mean unless you were a Boba Fett fan, you know, or uh you know, um. IG-88 fan, I guess, from right. episode 5, there wasn't much to go on other than what we got in Legends until we got to the prequel era and they really started opening it up. Because I think most of the, the for most of the fandom people that really became Bounty Hunter fans before that were people who really got into the Legends versions of, you know, uh, Boba Fett and the rest of those Bounty Hunters. I think that the action figures definitely... I mean, everything had a figure <laughs> that had yeah, any appreciable true. screen time. I remember uh, as a kid being, I mean, everybody loved Boba Fett. It, it is It would totally be retconning my life to say that I didn't love Boba Fett as a kid. Everybody loved the Boba Fett figure because that armor was just so damn cool. And this is the guy that beat Han Solo, who was the measure of all cool. And so he, you know, there was a lot of... Um, reputation transference that happened with him uh then you had people like bosk uh you had forlom and zuckus before their names got flopped um i i mean and and that's what's funny is forlom will always be uh the short guy with the breathing mask to me because that's what his figure was <laughs> i don't care what they say now and projecting forward the bounty hunters were always interesting, but I think that what happened in a very large sense in the quote-unquote legends era is that they never really moved beyond those bounty hunters. Those bounty hunters were always running across each other, including up to and including when they resurrected Boba Fett, he worked with Dengar. IG-88 was the guy who was trying to stop him from getting to Jabba's palace, which, you know, makes sense. Okay, they're in competition and everything. But even the comic strip uh, leading up to The Empire Strikes Back at least had different bounty. And actually, the, the comic book, one of the, the first uh, great characters was a cyborg bounty hunter who wanted to take out Luke, and who, but who had a special grudge against Vader. And I think that the thing that happened, and I, 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 don't, I have nothing outside of anything anecdotal, but I think there were a fair number of people like me where it just got tired. It just got really tired, and then I, I always mm. go back to that book, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, where suddenly Boba yep. Fett was an anti-hero, and I was like, what the hell is this? So I think, if not for the prequels, I really think, and the Clone Wars, because that's what really opened it up, and you started to meet new bounty hunters and more interesting bounty hunters, and then you get to the Clone mm -hmm. Wars, and they became a major piece of the action there. Aura Singh yeah. got screen time, and then one of my most beloved Star Wars characters of all time is the bounty hunter, Cad Bane. Yeah, it's funny you mention uh, Cad Bane because he is my favorite bounty hunter. Um, I just, I mean, come on. He's the bounty hunter that the Emperor calls. Well, not the Emperor. Okay, he's not the right. Emperor yet. Forgive me for saying that. He's the one who Palpatine calls. Mm -hmm. uh, Darth Sidious, if he wants a bounty hunter, he hires only the best. You know it. And so he hires Cad Bane to do a job with the Holocron heist. So, I mean, if he's good enough for Palpatine, I mean, he should be good enough for everybody. 
So yes, I yeah, I mean, and it's just the coolest character. I mean, Cad Bane is, I think, in a large sense, the character that we always sort of had in our heads with Boba Fett, and it didn't go that way with Fett, and which which is fine because I love the way Fett went, but when I was playing with my toys growing up. Cad Bane has sort of the the aura that I would have given to Boba Fett. That sort of very nonchalant shrug off the hero sort of thing. I mean, you're talking about a guy who broke into the Jedi Temple to steal the holocron, who yeah. who helped who helped kidnap babies for Pete's sake, and who um, when he was cornered winds up you know uh, springing a trap that outsmarts the Jedi. Like he's continually just this incredibly resourceful, uh, amoral character. And I, I think he's just fascinating on that front. And I think they got the opportunity to do a lot of things with Cad Bane that would have been, had they thought to do them in the Legends line, would have been a better way to treat Fett. The fact that they were going to have a Clone Wars arc that you know never came to fruition because it got canceled, which was uh, the... Boba Fett and Cad Bane arc where he's kind of like taking him under his wing and trying to teach him and there was going to be a moment uh, where they had a standoff and when I was at Celebration a couple years ago they showed some clips from that uh, and it showed you how Boba Fett got the dent on his helmet Mm -hmm. because Cad Bane shot him in the head yeah Uh, so um, just I just he the thing I loved about the character is he is the kind of quintessential uh, bounty hunter type character. I think you said it perfectly. He's the character that we all kind of expected Boba Fett to be, and Cad Bane just got to be that first, really. You know, um, he got the opportunity to kind of imbibe that anti-hero character. You know, mm-hmm. like um, because he he isn't all bad. You know, and, you know we and we see that throughout the series uh there is a moral code that he has but he, he's willing to to work for whoever's going to pay him the most you know and he's willing to you know kill zero the hut which was really sad um you know he was going to kill zero even though he <laughs> didn't kill zero because you know he got beat to his his mark which also really bothers him i i love that that cad likes to do a job and do it well if he's going to get paid to do a job he wants to actually do the job, so the fact he didn't get to kill Zero rubbed in the wrong way, and I'm, I, you know, I just like a guy who takes pride in his work. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, speaking of pride in the work, what what I think is because, of course, you know, the whole conversation has still been dancing around the whole Boba Fett thing. And what I love is that when Ara Singh, who has all of a shot in the Phantom Menace, just appears on screen for the briefest of moments. She got her own fan following. She got her own comic book arc. Oh, yeah. She got her own everything after The Phantom Menace. And what I find intriguing is I really like what they did with her in The Clone Wars. But there was, I remember, speculation at the time that she was going to become Boba Fett. That she was going to alter herself and become Boba Fett. But, I mean, the thing is, we also had speculation that Kitster was going to become... I That was one of the theories I subscribed to, was that Kitster was going to become Boba Fett. Hashtag, where's Kitster? Yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Poor Kitster. <laughs> they should actually have Poor a storyline where they go where Anakin goes back and tries to find him. 
finds out something tragic happened mm. or something. But Ooh, anyway, or for some reason he has to go back to Tatooine or whatever is Vader and kills yeah. Kitster. Oh, not kill him, but runs across him. That'd be interesting. That would be that would be really neat. No, I love what you're saying about uh, Aura Singh because you know she really is. I mean, like you said, she's that one shot character. She's in one shot and becomes like the the Boba Fett of the prequel trilogy. Yeah, and you know, I mean, what's so great about her is that they then again they take her in the Clone Wars and they really make her into this character that's fascinating. Somebody who does take care of Boba Fett after his father dies. You know, kind of tutors him in the the world of bounty huntery uh and and tries to keep him safe you know as he grows up um, yeah. and teach him the the job and i really enjoyed that about her character because again there's there's this honor among thieves that they have and oh, i i love the way that um george kind of played with that idea with all of these bounty hunters uh, although i will of course note that her motivations were not entirely altruistic you know, she she did have some ulterior motives for uh, taking care true. of Fett. Um, although I do still blame her for the destruction of uh, Slave One, and therefore I uh, I'm glad that Tobias pushed her off the ledge because she destroyed a beautiful ship, and that's kind of unforgivable. well. I mean, but you know, Fett fixed it. Boba fixed it. That's so. fine and everything, but I mean, that's like, you know, that's like uh, if anybody's seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that's like wrecking the car in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There's no way to, to write that wrong, really. <laughs> One of the Clone Wars uh, uh, bounty hunters that got introduced was Lats Razzi, Um, and she was in that bounty episode with Boba um, and Asajj Ventress and some of the Bosk and some of the other bounty hunters. And I just thought she was such a cool design. You know, she has that vine that wraps around her and she mm -hmm. uses it um, in her fighting technique. I just thought it was so cool. And, and she was just a fun character and, and a great design. And what I also liked too was just kind of getting to see, you know, you have your really cool, you know, guy bounty hunters but it was neat to see female bounty hunters as well and i just loved um i just I, there was something i think it was just her design and the way that she fought with that kind of i don't well, even know what it was here, here, um here's a question i would have actually i i, I know that we're, we're talking about characters and everything but like as we're sitting here talking about it and you know them taking the jobs and when they work together and when they didn't do you think that there's any line to be drawn? And I don't know if there's any canon material out there that states this or anything. But do you think that there's any line to be drawn? Because, of course, the f first time in release order we encounter bounty hunters, they're hired by Darth Vader. So there's at least an implication of legal blessing of what they do. Whereas in the Republic era, there doesn't seem to be a legal blessing of what they do. So do you think that there's like a guild slash guild treaty with bounty hunters by the time the empire comes around and it's a sign of the corruption of the republic the republic isn't down with bounty hunters but then the empire is down with working with them and so they're and in an official capacity and so is this another sign of the corruption of the republic yeah you know uh, as you were mentioning that i was thinking so you know when we really see the rise of bounty hunters is in the clone wars and they would be the type of characters that the Jedi would be probably bringing to justice. And they're too busy with the war to 
do their jobs as Jedi, which is to take care of, you know, characters like these. And so we kind of see a proliferation of bounty hunters. Um, you know, they're hanging out in seedy bars in the, you know, outer rim area, mid rim areas, because the Jedi are too busy. And I think that carries over then, and, and Palpatine is able to then use them as well as Vader, uh, and their plans with the Empire. And so it's like, I, I think, and, and I think part of that too is that you you have Vader, you know, is, is the Emperor's, you know, kind of a dog on a leash who, you know, if you upset him, you'll get killed, you know. So um, I feel like it's a part of the story throughout the end of the clone wars and into the uh the dark times era to which we could really get some answers if we got another solo movie hint 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 (laughs) um with that criminal underworld because it definitely feels as though that's a part of the criminal underworld that that palpatine and vader use in their plans for you know thriving an empire right I don't know as we as we sit here talking about this too. Another thought that comes to mind is maybe this could be a plot line of a Kenobi movie. Although at this point, I'm I've just I I, I will go ahead and admit I've kind of just given up on the idea. It, it, I feel like we've been teased with never this so much. Give I, up, never surrender. Yeah, thank you, kickboxer. I uh, but I am <laughs> I I'm sort of resigned to the idea that we're not going to get a Kenobi movie. But it seems to me sort of a natural thing and. Then a question, if the Empire has bounty hunters or there's a bounty hunters guild, wouldn't there have been a standing order to basically bring in Ben Kenobi? Like his his face is like plastered everywhere uh, to be brought in. And I wonder, because of the presumption that he's dead, did he run across someone and that's why they think, ah, oh, he's dead by now because there was a report that he was wounded in a fight with Ooh. somebody. See, that would be fascinating. Yes. I absolutely love that story. Like why, you know, maybe that's why we never see Cat again because, you know, him and Kenobi have one last battle. Or maybe and... Boba Fett disintegrates someone that he thinks is Ooh. Kenobi. Yes. And that's why Vader like has a, the admonition, mm-hmm. no disintegrations. You screwed up last See? time. See, yes, absolutely. Uh, and and I think, you know, oh, gosh, yes, I love that idea. And and I mean, oh, heck, Cad Bane, um, you know, Embo, hello, guy oh, surfs on his hat yeah. down a mountain after Anakin Skywalker. Uh, an incredibly cinematic thing and an incredibly cinematic character. I mean, if they were to make a Bounty Hunters uh, component of the live-action series, I think those sorts of action sequences are right there in line with what they would be looking for. I mean, we, none of us know what's going to go on and what's going to happen, but it would be so, if not Favreau's series, then if they were to make another series about Bounty Hunters in the era between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, I mean, you've got a natural story element there, too, to sort of fill in some gaps. Well, and I mean, the guy's got to pet Anuba, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's just awesome. That helps him out. Um, which, by the way, when uh, they're having that fight with the bounty hunters and Savage Opress and Maul 
at the Hutt's Palace there. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, that's just an epic showdown um, with them trying to hold their own against these two, you know, somewhat Sith. And so I just... And that's the thing that I think was really neat, again, about the the explanation and kind of further... Um, exploration of the bounty hunters in the Clone Wars. I mean, we got to see them, you know, go up against Jedi and see the tricks that they would use to best a Jedi, you know, so you got some of those really amazing fights between somebody like, a, you know, a Cad Bane and Anakin Skywalker and, and uh, uh, Ahsoka, you know, and getting to see those kind of things, I think it was... That's something you would do with your action figures, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, you'd have your bounty hunters going up against your Jedi, and how, you know, how could they hold their own against those characters? And, you know, one of the things I also think you were talking about that makes the bounty hunters special is that they are again this whole other side to the Star Wars galaxy that we have slowly gotten bits and pieces of, but the more that we get a piece of them the more excited I am with what you could do with them, especially, again, when you introduce that kind of world in Solo, where these Mm -hmm. characters would be so important. And a character who would have every reason to continually have bounty hunters on his tail. You know, I mean, Greedo's right there waiting for him. And Greedo, I mean, okay, not to deconstruct too much, because we all know that Greedo has a special thing for Solo and he's there because Jabba said specifically to pull Solo in. But how big must the order to bring in Solo have been or how big was the grudge? There had to have been, if not for Obi-Wan in specific, some sort of standing order that if you see a lightsaber, kill them and bring the body to us. And Greedo, was he not in the cantina when Kenobi... Uh, cut down Amazon. You see him in the background, so uh, spoilers. You see him there, but then again, you also see him walking around after he's been killed, technically. But you know, that's another that's another roadie, and just with the same fashion sense. But like, uh, they just—I mean, come on—they both bought the same outfit at the same time, John. Well, you, it's very difficult to tailor for Rodians. Let's just put that it out is. there, right there. Yeah, it is. No, but in all seriousness, how big must the grudge between Greedo and Han have been? For Greedo to ignore what must have been a standing order to kill anybody that even looked like a Jedi. See, that's a really good point. I just never had thought of that. And especially in light of the fact that it seems like by that point, too, the Inquisitors are gone. There's no reason to really be looking for lost Jedi because that close to A New Hope, I think they're pretty confident that they have most of them. You know, if not all of them. You know, there really isn't anybody to... Um, be worried about and and the ones that they had had on their radar like you know Ezra and Kanan are gone so mm. you know it's yeah um gosh what 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 about even oh, a storyline about bounty hunters going to what, what if some inquisitors rebelled and they had to send Ooh. bounty hunters to go get the inquisitors how crazy is it? that would be a great storyline too well I mean spoiler alert for you know Darth Vader 20 but mm. <laughs> and some inquisitors showdown, which is pretty awesome. Um, no, I no, I agree with you. I, I think one of the things about um, the, the opportunity with bounty hunters is to again open up a whole other side of the storytelling. 
you know, and and I have to say, you know, one of the uh, the few enjoyable connections that I had with the Aftermath series is that, um, you know, Jas Amari's character, we see her later on, an Amari um, family member, you know, who mm-hmm. is a part of the crew there, of Nora Wexley's crew, you know. So a, a connection to, you know, the those characters that we saw um, in the Clone Wars great bounty hunter loved her um in that that episode the the basically the seven samurai episode yeah that's an that's an incredible episode and the thing is you wouldn't think to use bounty hunters as the heroes in a storyline i i think you know we heap tons of praise on the clone wars and we will never stop heaping tons of praise on the clone wars but that in and of itself is i think such a tell of how creative and outside the box the thinking was encouraged to be among the the staff on the Clone Wars to sit there and make a Seven Samurai thing and it's it's the bounty hunters who up to that point we've only seen really as bad guys. Yeah, what I liked about it is that in a sense it did a great job of showing them how amoral the bounty hunters are. If they're getting paid, mm-hmm. they're here to do a job, you know. Um it, it's it's much akin to the bounty hunters, you know, going to Sorrento and being part of Moralo Vall's plan um, mm-hmm. to steal the Chancellor, you know, they're getting paid. Um, and in fact, they even put themselves through that, you know, tournament box, the, the box, uh, just to make it into the opportunity to be a part of the plan so they can get paid. Right. Yeah, so, true survival of the fittest. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, again, I think is is a really interesting thing kind of going all the way back though uh something on that reminded me you know again this really is something to which the jedi kind of lose track of Mm. because when you are watching that episode the prison there on coruscant the high security prison is full of bounty hunters that have been caught that's true you know so you do kind of see how the fact that they are not quite as focused on the job they're supposed to be focused on, which is, you know, the rest of the galaxy and and actually trying to keep peace in it and not fighting a war is going to hurt them in the long run. And part of that is, you know, um, I think the, the, the rise of the bounty hunters, you know, that was the name of that season of the clone wars was the rise of the bounty hunters. And we only see more of them as the seasons go on, not less. Now, I I specifically remember the lead-up to Cad Bane. I remember them hyping it, saying, you know, Cad Bane is coming, essentially. Uh, And they would have that in the commercial breaks. And I just, uh, you know, just to bring it back to him, what was your initial reaction to him? I mean, obviously, we both love the character. But was it immediately in love with him? Or was it? did you have to take an episode to get used to him because it was disorienting in any way no i i really do think that for me cad bane was a character that they just kind of hit out of the park immediately mm-hmm. and i think part of it was the character design he's tall and lanky he's got the big basically cowboy hat you know um it, it, it lets you know that he is that old west gunslinger for hire that's exactly who he is. That's his attitude. He's only out for the money. 
he, he'll do anything you want as long as you pay him. Um, and it, he also happens to be the best at what he does. You know, he has all of this cool weaponry. Um, he can fly with those boot rockets and things like that. I mean, he's just, and he's a smart character too. Yeah. Um, because he's, you know, there was that um, episode where he gets hurt and he disguises himself as a clone, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get away and everything. So it's like, this is not just uh, some one note character. You know, there was, yeah. there are layers to this character. But yeah, I mean, straight up, right up front, I loved this guy. I, I will completely admit that when I saw on the screen the, the name, you know, Cad Bane, just because of Darth Bane, my immediate thought was, oh, new Sith, new bad, you know, force user. And when I first saw him on screen, I won't lie, I I had to adjust to him. It was not my, since it was not my expectation, but I had to adjust to him and get used to the flow of his character just because I didn't know what to make of him at the beginning of that mm-hmm. episode. It was It was strange and new, and I... It wasn't that I rejected it, but my initial reaction was, huh. But then by the end of the episode, I remember being upset that the episode was over because I wanted more of the character. And I was like, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. No, we could use some more Cad Bane. What are we, what are we doing here? Let's, let's talk. Let's talk. Um, so, I, you know, it definitely took that first episode for me to, to come around. That My very first snap impression was not the one that I came to have uh, of him, but he definitely earned it. Well, and I think, uh, you know, I, the whole thing about bounty hunters for me, and especially with all the ones we've talked about, you know, that we got so much more of in the Clone Wars, you know, you, gosh, we even got to know more about Bosk, you know, he kind of mm-hmm. becomes more of a character. We actually got to even know more about his people too, which was fascinating. Um, I, I think the thing that, interests me is to see how they could be used in future Star Wars products, you know, and, and in storytelling. Um, you know, I'd really like to see uh, maybe some bounty hunters show up in Resistance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe some bounty hunters from the Clone Wars, you know, that made it alive. We just hadn't seen before. I think that would yeah. be fascinating. Um. You know, you could get some really long-lived bounty hunters. Who knows? I mean, they're all aliens, right? Most of them. So, I, I mean, how do you even? I mean, you're you're talking about a galaxy where Job of the Hut is going to sentence you know what appear to be human beings to a thousand years of pain and suffering. So obviously, there's you know time scales aren't working quite the same way. That's uh, very for true. us. So that's so true. Although, um, I mean, a topic for another time. We'll table it for now. But topic for another time is I would love to find out how you built your own headcanon about why people were able to suffer for a thousand years in the Sarlacc. Because I have my own headcanon about it. I think everybody's constructed their own headcanon about it. But anyway, yeah. go on. Um, but I know I, what I was, <laughs> was going to say was <laughs> before we got derailed by a Sarlacc, which I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, you know, the John Favreau series or... Um, mm-hmm. Um, gosh, heck, even episode nine, maybe we run into a bounty hunter, you know. Um, but at the same time, 
there are so many places, I think, still with storytelling opportunities uh, within the Clone Wars era, the prequel era, and even, you know, maybe, uh, I think it might be kind of neat to have a bounty hunter uh, comic set uh, during the time of the Empire, you know? Oh, I, I'd be all about some sort of series, animated comic series, books. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about all the bounty hunters were in the in the prison you know, showing that the Jedi weren't doing that. Maybe that's the foundation of the Bounty Hunters mm-hmm. Guild. You're granted pardons, and so long as you join the guild and you help us hunt down the Jedi. Yeah. You've got a story right there uh, that you could... And um, if I see that story pop up anywhere, I'm going to be mad. I get. I, I want first rights <laughs> on writing that story. So I'm making that declaration right now. Well, with Bounty Hunters, the thing about them is is that you can fit them in into so many different parts of Star Wars. And and they can be characters who are helping good characters or, you know, bad characters. Uh, and that's the neat thing about them. Like, as, as we talked about with the Clone Wars, there are episodes where they are the, quote, good guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes them so interesting is they can be on and whichever side is paying them. So that's kind of fascinating. And then they're is just a need for more underworld stuff in general. Yep. And I think, yes. you know, the the groundwork you laid specifically in the Clone Wars is something to which leads us to needing more of, you know, basically that solo world. We're going to keep banging that drum. We need more solo films with these well, bounty hunters, which if there's any series that would, you know, require there to be a bounty hunter like Boba Fett in it, it seems like a, another solo film might just be the one. And that is a drum that I will continue uh, beating with you. But just as sort of like a a parting thought is that is why I think I have responded that we've had this discussion before, but I'm going to hold up the bounty hunters themselves as another uh, example or supporting argument for why I think I've responded more to the standalone stories than the new episodes in the Disney era. And we've we've I, I've put this out there before that I I think the episodes are all very simplified good evil sort of thing. I know the whole Canto Bite thing, but the, the way that the the way that they proceed sees an empire versus rebellion galaxy. Whereas if you look at Rogue One, but especially Solo, and then you bring in the bounty hunters, I think that's the layering that needs to be there for this to be a, a you know a long running, enriching sort of franchise. And that is why I think the bounty hunters have come to mean so much to me is because I consider them this supreme symbol of that depth that is inherently there in this big broad galaxy that solo tapped into where i want to see more exploration of these things that aren't just the main conflict i want to see the weird amoral people and the the smugglers and the i want to see as you said the underworld in action because that's where the real action is happening I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I just have one parting question for you. Oh yeah does does Dengar develop some sort of leprosy later in life? 
You know, it's interesting because I remember during the Legends, what we're calling the Legends era now, that his whole thing was supposed to be that he had gotten into a swoop race with a young Han Solo, and there was a wreck, and that's why he wore the bandages, and I guess somehow that, I guess he was a very focused bounty hunter who mm. only accepted bounties having to do with Han. I don't know, but he was always Maybe. there because he hated Han so much because et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I like to think that Bosk sneezed on him and <laughs> had a really nasty cold and kind of that that snot burned his face slightly. You know what? So. Since since the old cannon is gone, I can accept this as head cannon. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> oh, man. But... um. If anybody has any other ideas what happened to Dengar's face, you know, want to to bounce them off you, John, uh, where can people find you? Well, you can find me uh, as my one-man uh, hive of scum and villainy on Twitter, at Kessel Junkie. Uh, you can also find me when we get the retooling done here on the network on Great Shot Kid and, of course, out there on Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. But, uh, Matt. I know that you have uh, many places for the Matt Rushing Bounty Hunter Guild uh, out there online. Where can people establish contact with that? Well, uh, they can hit me up on the Holonet, otherwise known as Twitter, at MattRushing02. I'm also on Instagram under the same name. You can find me here on the network uh, hanging out with Drea Kaufman doing Owl Post, talking all about Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. So uh, we are about... Nine chapters, I think, at this point from the end of The Goblet of Fire. So cruising through that one. All the revelations are coming, so make sure you check it out. I'm over on the Trek FM network doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And then I also do The 602 Club where it's the General Geisha. We talk about every single fandom that we love. We do talk quite a bit of Star Wars but we talk everything else we can. I mean, we, we're covering all the Bond films, Marvel, DC, Lord of the Rings, you know, The Hobbit, Mission Impossible, all that good stuff. You can check it all over there. And then last but not least, I'm doing a show with my friend Courtney. We talk about films through the lens of faith, and that show is called Cinema Stories. And, and you can find all of the shows that both John and I do on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd like to encourage you, um, you know, hit us up with a star rating review over there on iTunes if you get an opportunity. It helps other people find the show, and uh, we'd appreciate it. Um, also, just a quick reminder, um, we did do our drawing for our winner. And Luna Rose, you are our winner. So please do go over to thenerdparty.com slash contact, choose a show, choose Aggressive Negotiations, and let us know where we can send your amazing pile of Star Wars loot. But John, after all that, I think there's only one thing left to say. I think it's time to close negotiations. Partner, negotiations are closed. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durban Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. 